0: Support for this podcast is provided by Cressa. Cressa is the Occupier's Champion, the world's premier corporate real estate advisory firm, exclusively serving startup businesses and major global organizations alike. As a Portland pillar for over 25 years, Cressa partners with its clients throughout the entire project lifecycle from workplace strategy and discovery through the deal transaction and project management delivery of space. Cressa partners without conflict and applies integrated expertise to make your business better. Go to Cresa.com slash Portland to connect with the Portland advisory team. From That Cast Creative, I'm Dan Bruton, and this is the PDX Executive Podcast. A show where I talk with inspiring leaders who are shaping the future of Portland, Oregon. Every week, I sit down with business executives, startup founders, and community leaders to dive into their career journey and get insights into the impactful work they're doing in our slice of the great Pacific Northwest. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening to PDX Executive Podcast. Welcome back. I'm excited to have my next guest, Mariah Scott, who's the president of Skyward. Mariah, thanks for, for joining.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: So I always love to start just asking folks if you could tell a little bit about yourself and. You know, a little bit about your career journey leading up to your role uh, as president at Skyward.
1: Sounds good. Uh, I actually have been in Portland for a little over 25 years and uh, I love the city, but I would never say that I was from Oregon. Uh, I always say that I am from the Midwest because I grew up in the Midwest okay. in a small town in Indiana and uh, actually early in my career I worked in Japan uh, as a business development manager and account manager in classical arts management which has nothing to do with technology or or anything else Um, but I came to Portland in the mid 90s to work for Intel after I got an MBA from Kellogg at Northwestern in Chicago and I spent a number of years at Intel it's a phenomenal company Uh, I was Fortunate to work for and with some really great leaders who taught me a lot about innovation and risk taking and team management, project management, uh, and really at that time at Intel, a lot about the motivational power of working together to create the future. That's really what I felt like we were doing, and it was a fantastic place to be. Um, I did at Intel, I did three different internal software startups and took those through different exits that included selling the business, uh, one that I sold off and then one that I spun out as a JV. Um, and then I also led Intel Inside for a number of years. And that's Intel's largest marketing program. And it was phenomenal. I got to work with PC manufacturers and retailers all over the world and learned so much about how technology comes to market, how it's advertised, how it's brought to market. Uh, And actually, you know, I was thinking about this podcast and I was thinking about that job because I took the Intel Inside job right after 9-11. And I've been thinking a lot about what parallels do I have in my career? Is there any experience I can draw on that would help me with this COVID-19 crisis? And I thought about 9-11 and taking that job because all of a sudden I had a global team. I had a global set of customers and nobody thought it was safe to travel. Yeah. And we were really struggling with how do we keep everybody connected? How do we deal with the uncertainty and the ambiguity? What's safe? What's not safe? I need to put an employee on a plane to go see a customer. Can I do that? What's, what's that going to look like? Um, I don't know that it's really, it's not, 9-11 was not as comprehensive as what we're dealing with now, but, but there are definitely some lessons learned and you know what? We adapted and we figured it out. And we figured out how to keep connecting with people, how to keep working with our customers. And uh, it took a while, but we, we all worked through it. Yeah. But and not to, some hope.
0: Yeah, not to interrupt you then, we're, we're, we're tangenting a little bit, but I think this is so important because as I talk to a lot of leaders, you know, it's the uncertainty that's just crushing people, right? Yeah. And you know, it has a crystal ball. We're all... Um, you know, I wouldn't say just totally figuring it out, but there's strategies involved. What are some of the things you can pass on to some of the leaders that are listening to this in that terms? Not necessarily the getting in the weeds of strategy and product, but just helping manage through that your 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 people, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's a great question. We've we've been talking a lot with my leadership team about that that exact question. How do you deal with the uncertainty and the ambiguity? And One thing I would say is that for those of us who work in technology and particularly those of us who work in emerging technology, ambiguity and uncertainty is kind of the name of the game. Like we work in drums. I mean, you know, it's not mature run rate kind of business. So you already need to embrace a certain amount of uncertainty and ambiguity and in some ways kind of decide that you're gonna use that as an opportunity for innovation. Mm -hmm. And um, on good days, I'm able to think about this in the same way and think there are opportunities for innovation, constraints cause creativity. And I've already been so impressed at the way we've learned to work together virtually mm-hmm. and to connect and do things that we didn't know how to do before, or we didn't really have to think through because we could all be in a room together. And, uh, so I think that's where I would really try to focus people. That's what we've tried to focus on is we, there are things we can't control for, like how long it's going to last or what life will look like when we come through it. But there are things we can work together on now. And there's a huge opportunity for creativity and innovation in the way that we figure out how to work together, how to work with customers, how to solve problems.
0: Yeah. And I, and I, I was talking to another HR leader the other day and they said for them, I won't mention the company. This is a huge cultural moment. Like they have an op- feel like they have an opportunity to kind of shape the culture of their company. I-, I don't know if that resonates. Oh,
1: that is, I'll tell you, that is so true. And it's one of the ways I have been so impressed with Verizon during this crisis. That Skyward, you know, we're small. We're out here on the wild west coast. We know how to work virtually. We know how to use Zoom. We all know how to use Slack. Like, okay, it's an adjustment, but for large portions of Verizon, this is a massive cultural shift. Mm. And uh, Verizon went from having no work from home policy, pre-COVID, to having almost the entire company able to work from home and productive and stay connected. And it was just fantastic to see how much it shifted the culture to think about what is actually possible, how we can work uh, in a different way, it's really cool.
0: Yeah, and it's great that you you know you're I didn't mention at the forefront that you know it's your company's a, a wholly owned subsidiary of Verizon, so you have some interaction for them, but you're still pretty independent in a way. So that's that's cool to see that.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, well, let's shift back to you know your path and your your role. And for folks that don't know what Skyward is, can you tell a little bit about you know what you do and some of
1: great. Yeah. So I eventually found my way um, to Skyward through a number of other different um, startups. And Skyward is a software and services company. We focus on uh, businesses and helping them stand up, scale and operate commercial drone programs. So I joined uh, when we were still a startup and I found the company through Diane Freeman at Voyager Capital. Um, I don't know if you know Diane. Diane is one degree of separation from the entire Portland, tech community. (laughs) So we're small, there's only one degree of separation Uh, and she is just a gifted matchmaker of talent and opportunity. And she led the first institutional investment in Skyward through Voyager Capital and recruited me to be a COO. So uh, that was about six years ago And at that time, commercial drones were illegal and I was working in healthcare, but I actually thought that illegal commercial drones sounded easier than innovation and technology adoption in healthcare. I was like, okay, that seems like it's workable. Um, So I joined Skyward and together with the founder and the CEO, Jonathan Evans, we grew the company. We were the first company to introduce drone management software for commercial operations. We were also the first company to offer digital access to the airspace. We have a a delegation of authority from the Federal Aviation Administration so that we can offer our customers digital access to the airspace so you know where to fly and you have the authorization to do that. Mm -hmm. And then when commercial drones became legal in 2016, uh, we were like ready to ramp and grow the market and uh, we've just been growing it ever since. So our customers, I can talk, you want me to talk a little bit about the customers and kind of talk mean, to be their
0: folks to see like, you know, what are, who are some of your customers? What are they using it for?
1: Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, so drones are used for all kinds of uh, data gathering today. So that might be inspections, surveying, mapping, monitoring, and our customers include uh, Drone fleets for media companies like NBC is a customer. They use our software to manage and power their drone fleet program. Uh, we also work with electric utilities. A lot of a lot of utility companies are using drones for inspection. Um, we work with uh, the Southern Company. They're a large um, eight-state uh, electric utility in the southeastern part of the state. So actually, they were just flying uh, with our software a couple of weeks ago. There was a tornado in Alabama. Right. Yeah. And they were using our drones for disaster response and for recovery, using our software to manage those flights. And it was actually cool because the folks managing the flights were in the headquarters office in Atlanta and the people flying the drones were in Alabama. They're able to use our software and connectivity to be able to manage those operations and see where the drones are flying and doing the inspection. So they were looking at um, at damage and they didn't have to send people in uh, to an area where you've got a lot of, you know, disaster response going on. So that's a there's a lot of that going on. We also work with construction companies um, and state Department of Transportation, and then Verizon is also a big customer. They yeah. use drones for inspection and monitoring of network infrastructure. So towers, you can uh, fly a drone up and. See if there's a bird's nest up there. So, Verizon is required to protect endangered species, and a lot of endangered bird species like to nest uh, in cell phone towers. Yeah. So, uh, using it, and there's this weird thing where, like, you can't disturb the nest, but you have to figure out what the nest is. Right. So, how do you figure out what the nest is without actually disturbing the nest? So, you can fly a drone up and see that, and you don't have to take that cell phone tower offline, and you can. You know, you get better data faster and keep the network up. So it's, it, that's also a really cool kind of use case.
0: Absolutely. I think people don't, I mean, the, the industry's evolving so much. And I think, as you know, in Portland, there's been a drone industry. It's maybe on the other side of the house with more the government and, and um, type of surveillance. We
1: really only focus on commercial drones and only focus on businesses. Right. And there's so many positive, uh, especially now, where you can use a drone and keep people safe, keep Mm -hmm. people at home, not need to send as many people out into the field, not need to send someone climbing up on a tower or hanging out of a bucket truck to get the bridge inspection or get the highway inspection or get the tower inspection. Um, There's a lot of, a lot of really nice uses that help safety and get you better data faster.
0: Right. And so why, and this is a staring back to just where we, where we live is, uh, why Portland? I mean, they're, uh, just as far as and the founders, they wanted to stay here. You you have the core team there. Obviously, we're both biased. We love we love living here and, and such. But uh, talk a little bit about yeah. seven team there and, and starting the company there.
1: Yeah. Uh, well, the founders were all here, and uh, early on when we started raising money, there was a lot. And I think this is true for a lot of the Portland tech community. Um, There was a lot of pressure to move down to the valley, move down to California, move down to the valley. There's more money there. There's more talent. And uh, we all felt really committed to staying in Portland and uh, felt that there was a strong tech community here. We have not, we didn't at the time, and we still have no issue finding the talent that we need. There's a lot of great technical talent here. And it's fairly easy to recruit people to Portland, uh, especially if they're down in the Valley and you know, they can come up here and buy a house and that's nice. Um, So we felt committed to staying here. We felt like it was a good community and it was small enough that um, we could belong and have that community. And that was important. And with companies like uh, Voyager Capital on the venture side, they were a huge supporter. Um, they're based in Seattle, and they have a Portland office, so they're really committed to the Northwest. And um, and then after we joined Verizon, uh, Verizon acquired us in 2017. Okay. And they were an early investor, and then they acquired us in 2017. And uh, we've always been able to maintain support from, from Verizon for keeping the headquarters here. Okay. And, in fact, last year we made a major investment in Portland. We doubled the size of the team that's – Here We're about 100 people now. And we've also invested in building our first aviation development center here in Portland. So that is both, it's it's cool, that's both an indoor hangar and an outdoor networked airfield. So we've got 4G and 5G installed and we can fly connected drones over the network using our software and really test these advanced new use cases. And we had a lot of options of where to put that development center. We decided that we're committed to Portland. We've got the team in Portland, We've, and we're going to put the development center here. Mm-hmm. And that's going to be up in the Saint John's area, uh, in the industrial area along the Willamette River. Amazing. So,
0: and well, you know, just switching to the world we're in, your background with being an entrepreneur then an entrepreneur. And Portland's community, Portland community has that um, dichotomy a little bit. What I would like to switch just your, the resilience piece of where we're at right now for, for leaders, because that's something people are asking me a lot. So could you, could you share some things uh, on, on that? Just, and just for you personally, how are you doing? How are you doing with it? In terms of resilience? Oh, yeah. That's
1: interesting. Um, you know, in general, I tend to be an optimistic person and uh, you can't be in, in startups and new technology if you're not fundamentally optimistic about what people can do working together. And I, so I tend to believe that people will find a way to work together. Humans are amazingly resilient and adaptable creatures. And, uh, you know, this is, a, this is an opportunity. It's not an opportunity that any of us asked for or would want. It's certainly not the type of thing I ever thought I would be trying to manage or lead through. Um, And it's hugely challenging on many, many fronts. Um, But I really try to focus on where can we make a difference? Where can we work together? How can we be creative and how we try to connect? We've done a number of things at Skyward. um, that everybody's doing, you know, virtual happy hours, virtual team lunches. I have a virtual office hours time slots where people can just drop in on a standing Zoom call and connect. Um, I've done a lot more communication out to the team, informal communication and more formal communication. Um, I try to focus on where can we have impact and where can we make a difference. That's that's what you can do. Yeah. And, and I have faith that we will all get through this and we will figure out new ways to work together and be together.
0: Yeah. And I'm with you. I'm you're generally an optimist, optimistic person. I look at the opportunity, but I definitely have these, these de- days where I'm just like really down.
1: <laughs> oh my gosh. Can I tell you like this week, because it's been gray and rainy, and I think it's because last week it was like sunny and beautiful. And I thought... I could work from home forever. It's 80 <laughs> degrees outside. Right, right. I got it. And then, then it was like, oh, I got to turn the heat on. And it's gray and it's rainy. And like, how long am I going to be here? So, yeah, I mean, it's a roller coaster. You just kind of be on the ride.
0: Yeah. Well, Mariah, as we kind of end, um, you know, what's a, what can you share about the future of your company, but maybe just the future of the industry and how you see commercially, you know, different businesses, even down to the small business. Uh, level being able to use your technology and just drones in general.
1: Yeah, our our long term goal uh, is to connect the sky and to deliver the software, the connected drones, and the services that that take advantage of the Verizon network and, in particular, Verizon's investment in five G, and make it possible for businesses to fly anywhere in the world from anywhere in the world. Really, to be able to, to automate and network those operations so that uh, you could be a local construction company and you want to see, you're sitting in your office and you want to see what's happening in your job site mm-hmm. without needing to drive out there and walk around. And take. You just want to be able to press a button and have the drone fly that site and send all the imagery back to you so that you can get a real-time picture of what's happening in your job site. Yeah. Um, that's all the data side. I think drones are eventually going to be used for delivery. Uh, that's already starting to happen. And we're playing a role in that with our mm. software and our services as well. And they're going to be used for passengers. Like, you know, we're going to be taking drones to downtown Portland at some point because who wants to be on I-5? And, <laughs> and I, I feel uh, really lucky to be at a place where we get to invest in the local community and build a software company here, but harness the capabilities of the Verizon network to really think uh, big, think in a way that a small company can't think, and and be able to harness that network to make that happen. It's going to be great.
0: That's exciting. I look forward to the day of getting past I-5 traffic in a drone. <laughs> so, uh, well, well, Mariah, thanks so much for you know taking some time uh, and enjoying the podcast.
1: Great. Thank you. I appreciate it. Have a good afternoon.
0: The PDX Executive Podcast is a production of That Cast, a Portland, Oregon podcast agency that partners with brands to create custom podcasts. You can learn more at thatcast.com. And please take a moment to subscribe and rate the podcast as well.